Welcome to the fourth episode of VS Tomorrow Renaissance Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is known to the people of Vernon as someone with black hair licking his feet, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. I couldn't resist that intro for you, I'm going to be honest. It made me giggle. <laughs> it was definitely the most bizarre conversation of the whole episode. Yeah, in an episode where all three challenges are kind of a little bit visual and not the best sort of challenges for us to try and describe, that one was a very fun one for me to just sit back and go, this is just pure character moments and I'm going to laugh a lot at them. And how has your week been? Uh, it was... It was alright. Not too much going on. It, it, it's it's COVID. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've kind of stopped asking that question when we've been doing them because we don't really have any fun anecdotes anymore. It's like, yeah, I've not left the house much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, I go outside to do my skipping, uh, like jump rope, not like skipping like a Sunday picnic. I went grocery shopping once. My after right after this recording, uh, one of my closest friends is having a baby shower, so I'm making a cameo over there. Everyone will be wearing masks. I hope you're not charging as much as Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, on cameo! How much is Caitlyn Jenner charging on cameo? It like she charges insane amounts of money, and god damn it, I've just spotted something that would have made a brilliant birthday present for you. <laughs> I've just spotted someone on cameo who. I'm very tempted to to get to do a belated uh, birthday thing for you. Feel free to do so. <laughs> I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner is charging two thousand and seventy five pounds. People are paying that, eh? Two thousand and seventy five pounds is over three and a half thousand Canadian dollars. Yeah, the average is usually like a couple hundred or so. Yeah, you could actually get someone from um, from Australian Mall Six for I think it was two pound forty one. Two pounds and forty-one cents. No, two pound forty-nine. I uh, I underestimated him. Uh, yeah. Clearly, they're not in it for the money. <laughs> well, maybe he is. Maybe he. Maybe he's just quantity over quality. Anyway, Vidim. So previously, the final eight spent their last days in Valdorcia, chained to olive trees and getting medieval. A ripped banknote saw Tico berate your own in front of the group. Before a very wet game in Pitigliano saw the group blind to the mole's actions as they cost group another 400 euros. At the execution, anyone with a green screen could leave right away, but Horace found out that he could trust nobody again and was sent home once more. However, on the way to Florence, the people carriers split off, giving us a cliffhanger ending. And the episode's title is Masterful. Or Mr. Mr. Leek. Yeah, I think we should make it a recurring thing that you have to pronounce the Dutch titles every week, because it did make me laugh last week. I did forget to mention that because it it genuinely was very funny. I don't even remember what the title was last round. Neither do I, but it just <laughs> made me laugh. The laughter is what counts. Yeah, my laughter is all that matters to you. So, Nikki and Tico, Ellie, Ron and Patrick, and Peggy and Yaron are the teams for the first challenge. And on day seven, Nikki and Tico are driven to Michelangelo's birthplace. And it's fair to say that Tico is a big fan of Michelangelo. And for once, it's not the Ninja Turtle. I was I made the same joke. <laughs> Tigo's favorite artist is the teenage mutant ninja turtle Michelangelo. <laughs> the Tower of Pizza Dude. I do like that the two Renaissance painters they picked here are two of the ones who Ninja Turtles are named after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're at Leonardo's house and Michelangelo's house. Um they had to do a painting of Shredder. 
And then during the suitcase task, when they're all exchanging uh, suitcases, I think it's who April April O'Neil, I think is her name. I think she was part of the ones who who was who were switching around the suitcases. And Peggy and Euron are driven to Leonardo da Vinci's birthplace. They find four canvases, two with famous paintings and two blank, and they have three hours to describe to each other what's on their painted canvas and recreate it as to Nikki and Tico. And if you've watched Amazing Race 12, you'll know exactly where Leonardo da Vinci's birthplace is, given that they flew over there in a microlight. Yes, yes they did. And you know what I love more than anything on this podcast is commentating on painting challenges. See also the gallery challenge from Belgium, Argentina, which this is essentially based off. They've done this challenge in so many versions of them all. This is the most unique variation of it, because how it usually goes is... There's like somebody in control who sees three different paintings. They describe the three paintings for three people who are doing it. And then a fifth person comes in and has to match up what the people painted with the original pictures. Whereas this one is wait 24 hours and run through a Florence uh, gallery. It's definitely a unique variation of it because it's the, the people who painted the pictures are describing their own paintings to the people who now have to find the originals. So I think that would be a more difficult task. Yeah. And Nikki's painting keeps getting weirder. In the middle, she says there's literally a baby who's holding his willy. And in the bottom right is someone with black hair licking his feet. And it's really interesting because if you remember back to the medieval challenge last week, we were discussing whether Ron actually did make a joke about Me Too. And it seems he did because Tico also makes one here. They filmed this so long ago that the Me Too, that joking about Me Too probably hasn't aged terribly well. I'm surprised they actually aired they aired that confessional. Yeah, I was going to say that both of these things were in a confessional, so they didn't have to wear it at all. They literally chose to wear both of these confessionals, which is odd. Is it just going to be like a Me Too joke every single week until the end of the game? I'm waiting for the Zwart Pete challenge by the end of the season, if that's the way that's, that's, that's the direction they're going. And Nikki also decides to modernise her painting, and she says Michelangelo would be turning in his grave if he knew what happened in his house. <laughs> Maybe he was cremated. And Rick meets Ellie, Ron, and Patrick in the Uffizi, the Renaissance Museum of Florence, on day eight. And he also says that Ellie, Ron, and Patrick haven't seen the other groups since the execution and still don't know who went home, and that Florence is the haven of art, mainly thanks to the Medici family, who get quite a few name checks in this uh, episode. Medici, Medici, I know, it's like, man, I just listened to a whole history lesson about Medici. And Ellie, Ron, and Patrick have the Uffizi Museum to themselves, and they have to search among the gallery for four pieces with instructions from their fellow candidates. Those instructions need to be relayed to the other four to open chests containing money, which is up to 2,000 euros for the pot, and they have only 45 minutes for this challenge. As opposed to three hours plus an additional 24 hours to relax. And the other two pairs are in front of the abominations that they painted the day before. And this is something that I meant to mention last week when we were discussing the difference between old and new mole. I've noticed this season, excluding the three-hour time limit to actually paint, there hasn't been a challenge that has been, had a timer longer than 45 minutes. Yeah, that was a real... I was shocked by that too, that they showed the time limit for the paintings. Most of the challenges this season have been 30 minutes or less. And then you've had a handful of like 45-minute ones. I think the 
running around the Tuscan village looking for people called Mario Challenge was 45 minutes. And then this one obviously was 45 minutes in the end. But we haven't actually had a, a full challenge that has been longer than 45 minutes in four episodes now. Which is a big old difference to old mole seasons, where you get challenges that are upwards of like an hour and a half. Yeah, I'm surprised they bothered with the timer for three. It's just such a long period of time that you, they probably didn't even really need the timer consistently. No. For once, I know this is rare for me to say these things, but for once, I don't think they needed to air that painting timer. They just should have said, you got three hours to do this. Yeah, we didn't have to check in. They could just say, oh, after a bit. That might just be. They could just show the three hours starting, and then they were all pretty much done. I don't think there was really anyone who needed more than the three hours. I think Peggy was the only one who was working on hers after the three-hour mark. And the entertaining thing about this entire challenge for me was just the interactions between Ellie, Ron, and Patrick in the um, in the museum, and the other two pairs who just wanted a nice chat and a catch-up about what actually happened at the execution. Like, Nikki and Tico, when they're wrong, Patrick actually has to butt in to Nikki talking and just go, just so you're aware, we're on a 45-minute time limit here, you actually need to help us with this challenge. <laughs> and, like, Peggy gives a really detailed description of her painting and also seems to be dressed like a spy chief, and she says there's a dog on the right, even though I'm pretty sure it was meant to be a donkey. That's a detail that would throw somebody off, I think. If you're like saying like, oh, it's there's this here, there's this there, it it, it should be this, but it's not. I think that uh, that interferes with the principle of interdisciplining. Yeah, where do you think the mole was in this challenge? Do you think the mole was in a painting team or in the uh, in the gallery? All my suspects are on the painting teams. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm thinking the same thing too. The painting teams were definitely the suspicious ones here for me. I think that would be the easiest one because. Because you can just describe your painting however you like. Yeah, the only thing is, the mole at most can keep a thousand euros out of the pot if they're on a painting team. Whereas on the gallery team, they could keep two thousand euros out of the pot. And I know we make this argument a lot that the mole doesn't necessarily keep all the money out of the pot, they just minimise the amount of money. But still, it is worth saying that technically the mole could have kept more money out of the pot if they were in the gallery. And in one final bit of classic Ellie quotes, she says she's looking for specific and clear information about what's on the paintings. Yeah, it gets a bit obscure with with some of them, because uh, of course there's similar paintings in the museum. Oh, of course. Did you notice that um, Nikki's was the only one that was a round one as well, which I thought was quite interesting. You think that's a clue, Mister Tunnel Busy? <laughs> I don't think that's a clue. I have been led to believe there were two separate clues for Nikki in this episode, though, but I'm going get, to get to them eventually. Jesus. <laughs> Spoilers for when I actually tell you my suspicions. I'm on a very big tunnel busy with Nikki again. She's back to being my number one suspect again this week. But I'm also on a tunnel with Peggy as well. I think there is no way that it is not a woman this year. That's my gut feeling. I'm pretty sure one of the two women is the mole now. Well, they did open her tube, this Nikki's tube this time. They did get the $1,000 from her and uh, Tigo, somehow. <laughs> that is true, but also she then more than made up for it by pairing up with Ron in the end of this episode, so... Anyone can do that if they're paired up with Ron, though. <laughs> and whilst they wait for another phone call, Nikki pretends she's hosting the show and says, V is the mole. You'll find out next week. Considering how many contestants have later become the host of the mole, it's not a bad thing to attempt. It's not a bad idea to... I mean, no one returns to the mall more than the contestant who ends up being host. 
I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if Rick did step down if Nikki took over. Because I think it'd work. I think she'd be more fun as a host than Rick. And it's been a very long... I mean, it's been a very long time since they've had a female host. Yeah, they've not had a um, a female host since Queen Angela in 2005. Yeah, and luckily we know with, like, mole hosts, they don't do it for more than... We don't know exactly why, but they typically don't do more than five, six, seven seasons. This is Rick's third. So probably a couple more years and then he'll be done. <laughs> it's like they have five... It's like they all have five years... This unwritten five or six year contract and then they all just opt out at the end yeah because if i remember rightly queen angela did five seasons uh carol did two peter yan did four art did like eight and then rick's done three so far so they all average about five well yeah the the average would be four which is almost five yeah carol's the outlier and they finally realise that the locations that they're actually in may mean something and that they need to find the galleries of the places that the pairs are in as a starting point. Because I think both teams had one painting that was actually in a gallery specifically listed with their painter. Yeah, one was the Michelangelo Gallery, the other was Leonardo Gallery. And the codes that they need are the whole numbers that the two paintings are in. 1572. It might remember that, Nikki. Remember 1572. It's 1505, I think it was, that Ron said. And they think they find Nikki's painting. And interestingly, Nikki has a blatant mole confessional here when she says, yeah, you're saying everything I gave you. Search, Ellie, search. And it's like, yeah, that's the sort of confessional that a mole would do mocking the contestants. Nikki may just mock people in general, though. Yeah, we've never got to this point in the season with Nikki still there. So this is new ground. It's new ground for almost all of them. Like, there's a lot of early boots in this cast. They're on episode four, and they're all like, almost all of them are saying that they made it further than last time. <laughs> yeah, because Peggy and Tico were both fourth, so they pretty much made it to the finale. Ron was obviously first boot, Nikki was second boot, and Patrick was fourth as well. So, yeah, we're, we're, we've got a, a 50-50 split now of really early boots and really late ones. Uh, and Ron decides to tell Nikki what year her painting was created in and of course it being Ron it's utterly irrelevant and because it's Vidim and therefore bullshit they're not actually told what order the numbers are in to open the boxes and they only get one chance for each of the locks and they take a punt on Nikki and Tico's and somehow get it right and earn four Ellie notes which is 250 euros and with four minutes left Ron thinks he sees Peggy's painting but it gets dragged away because they can't split up and time runs out without them finding it and that means that they earn a thousand euros of possible two thousand for the challenge. Yeah, which is probably more success than the producers were anticipating, given the additional barriers they had for a classic challenge, where it's not just match up the paintings; it's match up or have the person describe the painting that you have to match up, and on top of that, you have to do a combination lock. They really make them work just to even get the. 1,000 euros out of the possible 2,000 for this challenge. It's not a very it's not a very generous uh, format. <laughs> they really don't want them to earn that much money. And yet, they still do. Yeah, the, the problem is, with this challenge, there was only really three options. They could either earn 0, 1,000, or 2,000 euros. There was no kind of ambiguity on it. It was sort of straddling the lines between an ambiguous amount of money that they could earn and an all-or-nothing challenge. Yeah. 
And I, I think we just go from challenge to challenge to challenge this episode. The only scene was when they're all on the rooftop, shocked that Forrest went home. Yeah, the the really interesting thing is, this is the first episode of the season where we don't get any mention of Ellie, Yaron, and Patrick's bonds. And this is the one where Ellie goes home as a result. This would be when it's most relevant, which makes me think, hmm, maybe something happens where it becomes pretty damn obvious who the mole is. Yeah. So Rick steps out onto a balcony over the Piazza della Signoria to do his second challenge introduction. No one's chained up this time behind him. Now that's also something rare, though. We don't usually get three introductions from Rick of the challenges. We only get two normally. It's usually first and third. This time we get all three. And for some reason, the camera also focuses on tourists and a cyclist for Deliveroo. And he says that the candidates must literally follow the money and watch a suitcase full of it. And they're split up again. It's Ron and your own, Nikki and Tico, and Ellie and Peggy surrounding the uh, piazza. And then Patrick is on his own on the balcony. And they've got 15 minutes for this challenge. And all they have to do is follow the suitcase held by a woman who enters the piazza. Well... <laughs> Switch, switch, fake switch. Let me grab the walkie-talkie so your head turns in another direction while I yell at somebody else. And then jerk their walkie-talkie. Switch, switch, no switch, switch, switch. And they still pick the right suitcase. But once again, for the second challenge in a row, there's another layer of difficulty to make it impossible to achieve success. Yeah, did you watch the um, the entire challenge, or did you not watch the mole bit? I, I skipped the mole bit. Right, good. I, I thought you would have. So... Yeah, they do manage to follow the person with the suitcase. It ends up being a young man. However, to earn the 2,250 euros in his suitcase, they have to name the three old moles who were also on the square. Now, this is obviously bullshit. I know that this is a jubilee season, but this is obviously bullshit that they weren't even told that there was going to be an old mole in there. This harks back to the morality tests from very early mole seasons where people were driving between challenges and saw two separate groups of people broken down. If they only helped the hot people, they lost money from the pot. If they helped everyone, they earned money for the pot. Sneaky challenges don't work with this sort of thing, especially when it's so difficult to actually achieve what you think the purpose of the challenge is. Yeah, this is different. Like The morality test isn't really... It's just seeing what happens with human behavior and like if they behave well, they can earn the money. At least with the morality test, it's just supposed to be this hidden psychological test. Here it's, here's a challenge, this is your goal to achieve, and at the end say, oh, by the way, that wasn't your goal, that isn't what you're supposed to achieve, it was actually completely this. We really lied to you this whole time, we did not tell you the truth. Yeah, this you guys really suck because you couldn't earn this money in a challenge that was designed to be absolutely impossible. Yeah, this harks back to something that I know we've discussed in previous episodes, that it just feels like the mole gets too easy a ride on this sort of a challenge. All they have to do is distract people from one of the three old moles. They don't even have to do that, though, because they they don't even know so they're supposed to be looking for the old moles. Like, here, here's a challenge, Michael. Let's do this challenge. Um, all you have to do is walk through Manchester a few blocks during rush hour. We're just going to go to this cafe. If you can get, order this food for me in this cafe and come back out in less than 20 minutes, uh, I'll give you a thousand bucks. Fast forward 20 minutes later. Congratulations, you did it. Oh, by the way, you only get the thousand bucks if you remember there were three people 
that were near or inside of the cafe in those 20 minutes that were on TV anywhere between the past five to 15 years? Do you remember who those three people were? And they were also wearing, they they could have been wearing unusual clothes too. What? <laughs> and as an added bonus, some of them could have aged horribly, which did happen to one of the three moles. <laughs> That's what I mean, like, you can't, you can't even blame, you can't even say, you can't even blame this on Ron. Like, this is just like, goodbye, 2,250 2, euros. <laughs> yeah, it, I know I should just be really excited about this season, but I'm like, you're just making stupid production decisions and it irritates me greatly. I would put this challenge in a hall of shame for sure. Not just for the mole, but maybe like almost any reality TV challenge where it's like, that was bad. <laughs> The problem is, it's brilliant thematically, it kind of fits with Florence really well, but it's utter horseshit. And unlike the Belgian-South Africa season, where you do have a few challenges that can kind of go into that uh, that category of really cool culturally, but a little bit bullshit, they don't have the success to make it work here, and to actually make me forget about it. And you probably know the, the challenge in particular I'm thinking of for... Um, for Belgium Mole, because I literally edited our episode of that today. But the start of episode two of Belgium Mole South Africa has a really, really, really bullshit challenge, but it works because it's entirely the contestants' faults rather than productions, like here. Well, what I was thinking back to was the Greece season of Belgian Mole, where there was, they had to keep their eye on the loved ones, but then they had the hidden challenge of, oh, there's somebody really famous around, you know, this, this gentleman named Willie Summers. And at least some of them actually got it right. They're like, oh, yeah, there was Willie Summers. Because it was in these areas that weren't really that crowded. And he stuck out a bit more prominently. Not a busy square where instead of being told to focus on people, they're being told to focus on suitcases. Yeah, the difference there is the fact that they were told the entire purpose of the challenge. They were told that the loved ones would be hiding somewhere in each location. And they were told that they had to photograph um, whoever the famous person was without being seen. Unlike here, where they're told half of the purpose of winning the challenge, and it's not entirely clear whether every suitcase contains 2,250 euros or not. Because if it did, that is even more bullshit. It's like they're taking classic challenges and making them excessively difficult, or, or, or in this case, just downright impossible. There is no way any group of people would have been able to succeed with this challenge in the way it was presented. No, and also, the three moles that they pick aren't the most popular moles. They're certainly not the ones I would have picked. Were they at least from, like, the past ten years? Well, the three that they guess is the one from... I'm just going to do it by season, so you don't get any yeah, spoilers. Yeah, rather than name, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The three that they guess is the one from Northern Ireland and Jordan, the one from Sri Lanka, and the one from Georgia. They were completely wrong, because it was the one from Dominican Republic who got found out really early thanks to the stupid clue, the one from Mexico, and the one from El Salvador, Nicaragua, who's the one who's aged really badly. Mexico and the El Salvador one are not recent. Both of them are over 10 years ago, I think. Mexico was season 8, El Salvador, Nicaragua was the last Peter Yan season, so that was 2011. And that was also the one that produced art. And... Um, Sri Lanka was the one that produced Rick. So these aren't super recent by any means. No. The annoying thing is the three that they picked are actually three pretty good moles. The ones that they actually have in the square are not my favourites. Especially Dominican Republic's one. 
I have no other notes on this challenge. <laughs> no, it's a it's a really quick one. And the problem is, because this one comes right before probably the strongest of the three in the episode, and the one that you can actually see being a classic mole challenge, it kind of sullies that challenge as well. Just because it, we go straight into it, so you're like, ah, I'm still upset about the little maneuver they pulled on the contestants. Yeah. So the only other personality scene we actually see for the entire episode is the fact they wake up on day nine and it's Ron's birthday. And they all decide to wake up early and surprise him at breakfast. Yay! They sing, he's a jolly good fellow in Dutch. Yeah. And Peggy said that she had a dream about old moles and everyone from her season. And Tico says in confessional that he suspects her. And that the reason she's dreaming about old moles is because she's going to join that club. And I have a note here saying there is no fucking way that Ron is under 50. I know, I was really shocked too. He's not, he's like 58. (laughs) But for some reason they try and claim that he's 49 this year. Yeah, they do. Unbirthed, like I know with some of my aunts and like a lot of my aunts now are like, actually all my aunts are well in their 60s and older up to about 87 or 85, 82, one of them, yeah. They're, I, have, I have two aunts, I think, that are in their 80s now. Not great aunts, just regular aunts. That's how. That's what happens when the, you're the youngest of the youngest in the family. <laughs> when, you're, when your mom's the eight, eight, number eight out of ten siblings, and then you're number five of five from number eight. <laughs> you, really, you really drop down in the generation gap. So basically what we're saying from this scene is that Ron has a show of his age of 48, when actually last year he was 58, I'm led to believe. Yeah, I th- so he had 10 unbirthdays. So Rick introduces a third challenge, stood in front of the birth of Venus, which if you played Animal Crossing as much as I have, you'll know immediately. That's seriously how I know most of this art, is the fact that it also appears, thanks to Crazy Red on, uh, on Animal Crossing New Horizons. They have to go and photograph tourist attractions for an app called Greetings from Florence. They have to take postcards with them and fit them perfectly into the pictures to earn the money. And Ellie gets to name the three teams as treasurer. Each team starts at a different place. Only the first picture of each site will count in the app for the money. And Rick says that he will see them at the execution. And she decides to pair up Yorona and Patrick, Ron and Nikki and Peggy and Tico. And she chooses to join Peggy and Tico. And they've got 45 minutes for this challenge. I like how they initially said, oh, how um, initially they're like, Ellie, you, you got to be on a team too. You can't just sit this one out. <laughs> and it's even worse when you consider by the end of this episode, she will be sitting every other challenge out. Yeah. And then they're like, hmm, did she pick our group? Because she picked, she suspects Peggy or does she suspect Tigo? And even before the challenges started, I said quite prophetically, I'm guessing the cards are different values at different places. What do you know? I was right. Because depending on where they are placed and the um, difficulty of getting there, the cards are either worth 50 euros, 100 euros, or 250 euros. Which does mean there was at least one site where the maximum you could get was 100 euros. Because it was 1350 that was the maximum for this challenge. Yeah, and they just didn't pick that one. So, Nikki and Patrick both take ones worth 50 euros. Ron finds one in the Uffizi worth 250. And then Patrick and Yeroen bank the first 50 euros, and they've got to send it to a WhatsApp group, which has the participants, Yeroen and Patrick, Ron and Nikki, Tico, Ellie and Peggy, Vias to Mol, and you, as the five members. And yes, I did pause the screen to work out what those five were. I can't remember a challenge where they've shown the what's where they've shown WhatsApp on screen before. And do you know what the last challenge where WhatsApp was actually relevant was? For us at least. Mm. It was the Belgian Mole Mexico season 
where um, if you remember, they gave out the mole's phone number. And our banner that week was a screenshot of my genuine WhatsApp message to that number going, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> I forgot about that. That would have been like one of our first mole podcasts. Yeah, it's one of my favorite banners we've ever done for the podcast was the genuine screenshot of my WhatsApp just going, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> and Ron and Nikki walk through Florence with absolutely no purpose. And Nikki is more interested by the fake Chanel bags in the shops. How many euros are they worth? <laughs> it's either 50, 100 or 250 euros, depending on who you ask. And Ellie and Tico work against each other when trying to take a picture of the building with red flags. And it turns out that Ron's 250 euro postcard is on the other side of the river and that he was misled into thinking it was less than 10 minutes walk away. My favorite part is when they're like, they're talking to the local in English and then they'll immediately in front of the local just start rapidly speaking in Dutch. I'm like, hmm, if I was that Italian guy who was being super helpful speaking in English and then they're just suddenly cussing and getting angry in Dutch and then speaking to me. And then I think Nikki and Ron the, with the one person they don't even say goodbye to him. They're like, oh, we have to walk across the river. And they're like speaking in Dutch. And the Italian guy is just hanging around like, do I stay? Do I go? <laughs> and then Nicky and Ron just start bolting away from him thinking, hmm, that was a little rude. <laughs> so Ellie, Tico and Peggy take the picture that Nicky and Ron are also after. And it's only worth 50 euros for them, but 250 for Ron and Nicky. And Nicky takes a pit stop to find a mirror to admire herself. And Rowan and Patrick take a 100 euro photo, they then take a 50 euro of the carousel and go for a ride themselves. First they go up, then they go down. I knew you were going to make that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to. No, I'm purely letting you do the Canadian pop culture nowadays. <laughs> oh, Brad Pack with three T's. How we miss the... Yeah, no one's going to get that reference. It is one of Canada's greatest exports. If by greatest you mean awful. <laughs> and Nikki also won't let Ron take a photo with the Pinocchio frame in a shop. And then Nikki and Ron take a photo of the pig. And Ellie, Tico and Peggy take a photo of the statue. And then Nikki and Ron find out there's two Pinocchio stores, but the trio get there first. And time runs out as their Pinocchio picture gets taken. Nikki and Ron, I think, got like 80% of the airtime in this challenge. They rarely show the other two groups. That's because Nikki and Ron, as we've previously proven in these challenges, are very entertaining together. And surprisingly, they they don't they're not really known for doing too well. Cause they were were they paired up in the laser challenge too? Yep. And that did not go well either. It's the combination of someone who is blatantly moling in Nikki and someone who is blatantly not experienced at the mole in Ron. And it doesn't happen when Nikki's in a shopping district either. <laughs> it's like, look at the, these shiny objects. What do you think is going to happen? So we find out after they get through the test how much they actually made. That's that's. I don't like that, that they don't even get told if the challenge was a success or not, because that would impact who the mole is. Like, you want to have them all together be told how much they earned or how much they lost, and then be like, oh, pair number one, why did you lose this money? And then you hear their defenses and their recounting of what happened. Pair number two, how did you do? And then you grill number, pair number two and see them, how they talk amongst each other and get information from that. Here, they don't even they only get to base their next quiz off of the first two challenges. And the second challenge, I wouldn't even count or either for or against in terms of moling. I saw a theory last week that this was right after we'd recorded the podcast annoyingly. 
that to make this season special, they're making each execution a bit different from the rest. So you have the normal execution with um, with Tina in episode one. You then have the execution where Ellie gets an exemption in episode two. You have the weird execution last week where everyone just gets to leave immediately. This week you have the one where you don't find out the results of the third challenge until the execution. They're just making each execution bit really unique, which is an interesting theory. And surprisingly, the most common way to do a unique execution is to have it be a non-elimination. I must admit, I quite like them doing an elimination every week. I don't know whether it's because the previous three seasons we've recorded have been the Belgian seasons where they don't really do non-eliminations, but I quite like there being always the consequence at the end of the episode. I don't know whether it's just me. No, I agree. That's the one thing I didn't like about China is that we had not one, not two, but three non-eliminations with a final four and going into the final test. Yeah, I know it's a common complaint with um, with Amazing Race that the non-eliminations kind of break up the momentum of the season, but you really feel it on a mole season, especially the Dutch mole where they love a non-elimination. And as you said, China had one basically every other week, which really stalled the momentum of the season for me. Yeah, like with Amazing Race, it's they have 12 episodes, and typically three of the first nine episodes are non-elims. With Vidim, how many episodes was China? Nine episodes? Eight? It was nine plus a reunion. So like nine nine actual rounds of play? Yeah, nine rounds of play, including the final test at the end of episode. Yeah, right, that's right, because it'd be six executions and uh, three, three non-elims. Three non-elims. non-elims. So, I mean, when you have three non-elims in a season that's only nine episodes, that's a bit much. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole who have knows least goes home, except for the mole who has gone home before, but cannot go home this time. And Patrick has suspected Peggy from day one, but she's not really done any weird things in the past few assignments. The only person who doesn't do well is Ron, and the group all laugh about him being a bit dopey, but is he just being a bit of a pretender? Peggy says Ron always pretends to be a dope, and she was burned in 2006 by someone doing that exact tactic, and they turned out to be the mole. Ron says Peggy and Nikki have always been on his list, but Ellie has been added. It'd be great if it was a mole that they could really trust this season. Ellie says it's too early not to spread and narrow it down to two people. It isn't own or Tico, despite them both being a little bit suspicious. She doesn't know whether Tico would be able to do it. Tico suspects Peggy and Ellie. If his mole is at the end of the tunnel, he will be pleased. Nikki says Ron is confusing. Is that because he's the mole or just Ron? <laughs> this is genuine lot, she says as well. Of course, she suspected Tina, Najee, Yaron, and Horace, and only Yaron is still left, so she'll mostly go for him and put a few on Ellie and Ron just to be safe. Yaron says it's not Patrick, he brings in too much. He also discounts Nikki as she's so passive and the mole would want to influence the group. And Rick welcomes them to Villa Fernandia, the old hunting ground for the Medicis. They could have earned... 1,350 euros in the third assignment, but they only earned 750. Well, that challenge, which arguably isn't bad, it's they've done a lot worse in all of their previous seasons. They, or they could say, you have the 750 euros, but do you remember how many chimpanzees were on each of the postcards? And if you don't, you lose 750 euros from this challenge. Plus, then two of you will get executed. Yeah. We'll add in a double elimination just so we can have our prerequisite um, non-elimination round soon. We joke, but this is the sort of shit that they like to pull. 
we literally saw that in Colombia, where there was an extra non-elimination, but then they forced a double elimination the next round. So yeah, that brings them to 750 euros of a possible 1350 for the final challenge, 1750 of a possible 5600 for the episode, and 8110 euros of a possible 23,422 euros and 50 cents for the season so far. Am I the only one who's thinking that they're going to have a challenge where they're going to force the contestants to lose money? Because this is a big pot after four episodes by Vidim standards. I did speculate that a few weeks ago, didn't I? That the the mole won't really care how much money is being brought into the pot because there's going to be a challenge later to get rid of some of that money. It has to be coming because this is a suspiciously high pot for Vidim. Yeah, it's somewhere about 500 euros higher than China was at this point of the season. I did have a quick glance at it earlier, and they're running at somewhere about a third of the maximum pot so far, as opposed to somewhere about 28% for China by this point. Right. And Rick also says the test came down to time, so whoever was the slowest of the people who lost will go home. The exact quote was, there were several people who did the worst. So how how many is several? But that I interpret that as more than two, but that seems a lot for a 20-question quiz. But also, here's the thing. The person who we saw suspected most, other than Ellie this week, was Peggy. So that makes me think that either Peggy is the mole and everyone scored really highly, or Peggy isn't the mole and everyone's really on the wrong track. They did show a lot of people saying they suspected him like, ah, crap, maybe Peggy's not the mole. <laughs> yeah, so there's... Let's see, there's, there's, there was Patrick, Ron... Ellie, technically, even though she didn't specifically mention Peggy. Tico, um, and that was it. Yeah, so four of, the, four of the final seven all mentioned Peggy in some capacity. It'll be interesting because maybe if you do play Vidim a second time, you do know what to look for. And maybe it is a lot easier to figure out who the mole is. They figure out, the, figure out who's real from the pretenders. I said this last week. I don't think they'd show more than one person suspecting the mole in a quiz. Unless the next quiz, they don't show anybody suspecting her. Yeah, because it just makes everything a bit too obvious, especially halfway through the season. And they really are going out of their way at the moment to try and not show who the mole is until they absolutely have to. So anyway, Ellie gets an instant red screen and goes home, and she gives Ron the pot as a birthday present. And that's that. (laughs) It's the first instant red screen for a long while. Yeah. I was thinking it was going to be an instant red screen as I was writing. Like, hmm, this is a long pause, and I feel like this has been a long episode. Yeah. And you know the even more fun thing is the fact she was the top suspect of the Netherlands last week. I never suspected her. I don't know why they were suspecting her. No, neither did I. <laughs> Genuinely, I went back and looked at this um, earlier when, when I found out that Ellie went home. Ellie was my least suspected person in the final nine, in the first suspicions list. I think she was pretty near the bottom for me, too. I never considered Ellie at all, because, as I've said before, as a former police officer, I don't think she would want to play cops and robbers, essentially. I think she would want to win as a police officer rather than not win as a mole. And she would rather go home halfway through the season, holding her head up high, knowing she didn't sabotage, rather than making it all the way through the season and knowing that she did it by nefarious means. I don't think Honourable Ellie Loost has it in her to be a saboteur, and that's why she never was on my suspect list. I suspected her less than Tina. Like I was 
pretty confident that Ellie was not going to be the mole, and I was quite shocked when I found out how many people actually suspected her. And the thing is, it would have been a massive shock at the end of the season for me had she turned around and gone, you know what, I'm the mole. And it really would have kind of changed my impression of her. But I'm really glad that you got four full episodes of the Ellie Loost experience, because she was peak Ellie in some of these places. Yeah. She's the first boot this season who really made an impact this season, I would say. Well, yeah, they were willing... Th- I mean, how many seasons can you think of where where the only alliances were shown is of the fourth boot? None. But she's such a big character on both of her seasons, and I'm really, really glad that you got, like, some proper Ellie moments in this season. And if you combine her other seasons, she's essentially played a full, just under a full season at this point. And she says that she didn't expect to go home, she was confident of her suspects and spread, but not enough. And she enjoyed herself so much and met wonderful people and learnt from her mistakes, which gave her an extra episode. I guess I guess it makes sense why ties are more likely when when it's episode four and everybody's still spreading between probably three people. So next time, there are blank boxes on a beach, old cars, a tourist mob, and Nikki and Tico go missing. So who do you suspect, Mr. Saunders? You get two suspects this week. Um, I guess I'll still stick with Peggy. Peggy and your Owen. I'm unsurprisingly going for Nikki and Peggy. I really need Peggy executed. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like as much as as much as I kind of want Peggy to win, for my own mental health, I need Peggy to go home soon, just so I know if I'm on the wrong track or not. And I can be like, I pick Patrick now. <laughs> like, I just, seriously, I hate it when my two main suspects get to the end together because I'm like, I'm not entirely confident that I'm right. Whereas if it is Peggy who goes home pretty soon, I can go full straight ticket on Nikki and be pretty confident. Especially after this week. Because two things that I found out thanks to the Mullen group on Facebook. Number one, of the old moles that have appeared, there are only three old moles who have candidates in this season who haven't appeared yet. And they are the moles for Nikki, Ron, and Tico. And if two of those three appear, then maybe that's a mole clue. If we get nine of the ten moles appearing. Or eight of the nine moles appearing, because you can't really have Tina's without spoiling the season for everyone else. Right. <laughs> Luckily she went on first. <laughs> However, the big Nikki clue that I have seen, thanks to that group as well, was that um, Medusa was featured heavily this week, and also the... Um, I think it's Da Vinci painting of uh, of Medusa is actually in the intro this season. Um, the symbol of fashion brand Versace is Medusa, and Nikki did a um, video with Versace at the Olympic Games. And on top of that, Medusa is of course week two. What in Greek mythology, Mister Saunders? Kills Medusa. I'm testing your mythology knowledge. What kills Medusa? I I don't know. Mirrors is the answer. Ah. Oh. She sees her own reflection and turns herself to stone. Oh, why didn't I think of that? I could have killed Medusa myself. And, on top of that, in the first episode, in the mirror challenge, Nikki's quote, if you mirror it, actually has the word mole in it. So I'm led to believe. So I'm pretty kind of on Nikki now. Do you just want to do one suspect this week, Michael? <laughs> I pretty much do, but I'm under the rules of our game, it's two suspects this week, and... Um, this week and next week, definitely. Maybe the week after, yeah. I'm not, not sure yet. Probably not. Yeah, I'm going to go for Nikki and Peggy. All right. And 
just as a pool update, Michelle has lost her second candidate in Ellie, meaning she's just down to Ron. My team's still Nikki, Tico, and Patrick, and Logan's is Peggy and Yeroen. On the first suspicions list, Patrick and Tico are now more suspected by us than the group as a whole, and Ron is now on a dead-even score of 1.64 out of 5. Logan's team is still 2.77 out of 5 for everyone apart from the three of us. Mine is still 2.61. Logan's team is 2.77 out of 5 for everyone apart from the three of us. Mine is 2.61 and Michelle's is 1.64. If you add in our results, then yours drops to 2.61. Mine goes up to 2.71 and Michelle's stays at 1.64. On the first suspicions list as well, there are still 10 people with their first suspects in the game, including both me and you, Logan. However, I do have to give a big shout out to Brandon Martin Moore, who has all of his top five left. He's currently winning. Impressive. Very impressive. I'm proud of you. So halfway through the season, Brandon is the uh, the man to beat. And, seeing as though I did it last week, I did look at the um, the suspects for um, for the Netherlands. Nikki and Ron are now the most suspected with 22% of um, the points on the pool. Peggy is at 19%. Tico is on 16 Patrick is on 13 And Yeroen is on 8 <laughs> And I'm going to have a lie down now because I've spoken far too much. Have you got anything else you want to say? That was a lot of data. No, I'm good. (laughs) Right. Thank you for listening to our VS Tomorrow Renaissance Recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the new small in Italy. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at Quacky, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles and we will see you next week. Peace out and just chill till next to flavoring.